Hi, welcome to Two Girls, One Journey. I'm Naya. I'm Gabby. Here we talk about all things kidney beans. And everything in between. Hey guys, it's Naya and Gabby. Today we have a very special guest, Rachel. Everyone say, hey Rachel. Hi Rachel. Hello, hello. An interview with Rachel. She is an awesome person. We actually met via TikTok. She is also a kidney warrior and I also love her journey because she doesn't let it define who she is. She's also a mother. She's a social media consultant and today she's going to tell us about her journey and life and her hopes, dreams, and aspirations. <laughs> so Rachel, thank you so much for being our first interview and taking the time to go ahead and um be on our podcast. Tell us about yourself. Thank you so much for introducing me and having me here, ladies. I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm not sure where to start. Uh, probably birth is <laughs> the best place to start because I was born with Alport syndrome, autosomal dominant Alport syndrome, which my kid family has. My whole family has kidney disease, so. It was something that from birth, my kidneys were never quite functioning as a healthy person would. would. And so we always knew that we were going to have a lifelong progress with kidney disease um, and just wanting a childhood living like that. Um, and so I've never known anything different. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's, that's interesting because um, when I did research on the all ports, right? Uh, they said there's three types. There's mm-hmm. the X-linked, then there's the um, mm-hmm. autosomal recessive, which I'm assuming it's from one parent, right? And then dominant mm-hmm. is when there's two dominant genes. Typically, uh, mine is dominant, although my mom doesn't have any kidney disease or anything like that. It's mainly on my dad's family, but we have a really strong gene with it. All of our family members have been affected. I am one of five, and all of my siblings are either active, and I have one sibling who is a carrier, something that has been in our bloodline um, previously with my dad. He, his father, my grandfather, he had um, kidney disease and passed away shortly before my father was born. And as far as we can trace it back, everyone has had it. Knowing that this was a gene that your family has and you guys were sort of like, you know, you knew you were going to deal with it at some point in your life, right? Did it affect you mm-hmm. mainly in childhood, adolescence, or until adulthood? It didn't affect me too much in childhood. In childhood, we did mostly preventative care with lisinopril um, and healthy diet. And then when my older sister, who is about five years older than me, she was a teenager, she got really sick and was on dialysis and her kidneys failed. Around that time, we were kind of realizing that this is a really strong gene and that we were all going to have very unique experiences. And at that time, being so young, I was pretty healthy. But moving on into adolescence and just living life as a teenager, I noticed I started feeling really tired and I didn't have the energy that most teenagers would have. And it became a lot more testing, regular blood tests to check my function and I had to be more strict on my diet that most teenagers wouldn't have to be, making sure that I didn't have processed foods. And it was gradual into my early 20s when I started really feeling the effects of kidney disease. You know, with the different stages, I felt like I could slowly feel each stage kind of increasing um, with my livelihood. And I would say from 19 to 21 is when I really 
kind of started realizing this is going to happen. This is happening. My body feels ill and I'm now living a life of a disabled person who doesn't have the same experience as another person of the same age. And I tried living a life, doing the thing, you know, growing into myself and starting work, exploring relationships and being sick had a lot of impact. It had a lot of impact on the meals that I could eat and my overall energy, a lot of different side effects that most people with kidney disease would feel. Yeah, you know, for us with kidney disease, I think fatigue is one of the the toughest things for me Mm -hmm. when people would ask me what it felt like. um, I guess the best way I could describe it was that menstrual fatigue, but 10 times worse. Menstrual fatigue. For me, it just felt like no matter what amount of sleep I got, like whether it was eight, 10, six hours, it was never good enough. I felt that too. I felt like I wanted to make the most of my experiences while I was active, but during those times, I was in a lot of pain. My body always was really sore, and when I wasn't, then I was sleeping and I was resting most of the time. Yeah, that, that's actually uh, very similar to us. It's just like the fatigue and the tired, and, and you know, mine's completely different. I just had kidney disease for a long time, and no one really knew, even though I went to the doctor mm-hmm. every year for a checkup. And... Um, I had like this fatigue and like my body felt heavy because I like the fluid so like that the pain factor on my joints mm. and all of that so I can definitely relate with that so um, I also want to mention when I went online too I went on the website you gave me so all port syndrome affects also hearing um, eye you could potentially have eye abnormalities and essentially what it is it's a mutation in the the protein collagen in the connective tissues right yes yeah. And then, so basically, when in terms of the kidneys, uh, from my understanding, is that the glomerular part of the kidneys, it causes the inflammation, right? It causes inflammation and it causes scarring because your kidney loss basically excretes from the kidney. Mine is excess protein. It's always been an issue, no matter how much protein I eat. I have more protein outputted through the tissue of my kidney, and that's going into the body, causing degenerative scarring on my kidney. And for my eyes, I do have eye issues. I have cataracts. That's something that's always been there. Hopefully, laser surgery in the future. But that is one of the things that has also been degenerative over time. Hearing, not so much of an issue for me, thankfully. In childhood, it was a little problematic. I had tubes in my ears for a short period of time. Funny thing about that is my parents weren't really sure if that was hearing or just a little bit of cognitive dissonance, not wanting to listen to my parents and just being like, huh? Not paying too much attention. So those were a very brief period. It's mostly been the kidneys for me. Um, I also want to say like, I love your energy. I find you very inspiring. You know, you have managed to not let this define you. You know, I feel like Mm. you present it, you deal with it, and you go on, and you're so appreciative, and you're so aware that, like, I feel your energy Mm. is just so impactful. I feel like a lot of people, you don't have to necessarily either, like, have a chronic illness, but just overall, like, your energy is so positive, you know, and then having to go through the challenges you've gone through it's like 
dang, she's like amazing. Like I, I want that energy. I love that because it rubs off on other people. So I want to say that is completely Aww. like amazing. And then how, how did you get into that mind, that mindset of not letting mm. this disease define you, not letting it inhibit you from from life and enjoying life and and doing the things you want to do mm. and pursue? I think that really roots back to the beginning of our conversation and where we go back to family. And I had experiences that most people with kidney disease, when it happens to them, they they don't have. I watched my family go through kidney failure, dialysis, kidney transplant, and recovery in multiple ways from my sister to my father to my aunt and uncle. And so because we all had those happening, I saw that and I knew life looked a lot different for us. And I knew all along that life was going to be a lot different for me. And at a young age, you know, this stuff is heavy. This stuff is really heavy to deal with. And it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of fear of the unknown. But with all this fear, there was a lot of choices to be had. And I had to really find a sense of self in that um, and to choose to choose life over fear really is what I chose. Um, I chose to live my life. I chose to survive. And I knew that if I was going to survive, I wanted to thrive despite any circumstance that were thrown my way. And I've been gifted in that way because I continue to make that choice to live Despite circumstances, despite limitation, I live for me. I live for love and family and community and future. And having greater purpose in that is what shifts my perspective and it enables me to show up as I am truly and authentically, despite my illness, because it is a part of me, but it's not my whole self. Yes, I, I love that. Uh, you know, it's um, finding yourself through like the disease and things like that. It's really hard. And I think your perspective coming from like the lineage, you know, and seeing mm-hmm. it from a younger age, it's like, okay, I guess there's a potential that my life is going to gear towards this, but I, ha- I have the power to go ahead and mm-hmm. alter how I perceive it. I can work with it, move with it, and grow from it as well. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Yes. You know, and then thank you. Um, one thing I want to also talk about too is, um, can you go over like your experience with dialysis and then transplantation? And um, I also know you're a mom. Absolutely. You're a mom above anything. Mm-hmm. So if you're comfortable, yeah. how how can you talk about how you deal with being a mom and you know dealing with your illness at the same time especially when it got to the point of dialysis so i'd like to talk about being a mom first because that was a decision and a life change that happened before dialysis and it was a planned decision i knew life could have alternative routes uh with kidney failure and dialysis And I also knew that I wanted to bring life in. That was really important for me as a woman uh, to claim divine femininity and to claim legacy as well. So I chose to become a mom before I chose to 
go through the journey of kidney failure because I knew it was about to happen. And so it was kind of life or life, (laughs) life or life. And so I chose to become a mom and welcome my son into my life. And with that, I took a big risk. I took a big risk and I knew immediately that pregnancy was going to have a big impact on my health and it did. I really struggled with pregnancy. I was on bed rest during the duration of pregnancy. I had a lot of that protein leakage we talked about where it was rapid fire damage to my body. It was complete shock to my system and it didn't take it well. I had things like preeclampsia and swelling and high blood pressure, shortness of breath, and it was really troublesome to be pregnant. I was in total on bed rest for a year to, you know, go through pregnancy and to labor. And labor itself, that was very difficult, very traumatic. It was a three-day induced in labor. And with that, it took a lot of heat on my body. (laughs) It took a lot of heat. And so going into motherhood as a a newborn mom, right away I had to focus on full body healing um, along with processing life as a new mom. And I did as much as I could to improve my health um, through diet and nutrition, through rest and recovery. But at that point, you know, the damage had really been done. The damage had really been done. I was able to be go into toddlerhood for a couple of years and experience that newborn life while still managing the weight of kidney disease and balancing those two balancing living the life, just being in this place where your body is degenerating and and losing kidney function. When I finally went on to dialysis, it was because that process had gone on for such a long time. I had been at 0% kidney function. um, And I just felt everything happened kind of all at once. I got really sick uh, with early COVID. Not sure if that's something kosher to mention here, but I did have early COVID before. It was kind of a known thing, so I didn't really know what was going on. And it was emergency dialysis for me because I was really vomiting profusely, uh, excess waste in my body, and my body couldn't process it. My blood was so dirty, so I just went on right on dialysis and From there, we had a a two-and-a-half-year journey (laughs) to kidney transplant. Yeah, so I started my dialysis journey with a chest catheter right away. Um, And with that, you know, they really started treatment to clean my blood and to get me stable because I wasn't stable at first. And once I was... They presented different dialysis options to me, peritoneal dialysis or to get hemodialysis through a fistula. And pretty immediately, I decided I wanted to do peritoneal dialysis because I had seen other people have success with peritoneal. And I thought that 
it would be a good option for Mila to be able to balance life and healing. So I went through that process of getting the stomach catheter in. So you're saying that you opted in for PD? Yes, I went for peritoneal dialysis right away because I heard that it was a really easy way to not really easy, no dialysis is really easy, but what I thought would be a better way to be able to heal overnight while still living my life during the day, which was really important for me as a mom. And I tried it and it was really problematic for me, unfortunately. Um, you know, I never quite healed around my catheter. Turns out my body doesn't really like foreign thins, plastic thins, and other catheters like that. It never really worked for me. It had a lot of air, which I, I'm not sure many people would notice, but when you're doing peritoneal, you are basically inputting fluid into your stomach and pulling it out. And with that, you have opportunity of air entering your stomach and into your chest. And I had a lot of airflow come in due to not completely healing around the catheter. Air was leaking in through the catheter and through the uh, gap of skin. And that meant that my blood was not being cleaned properly. I was having excess waste still lingering in my body causing me to feel really sick, really struggling through the nights with a lot of air pins in my shoulders, pins in my stomach with the fluid. It was all very uncomfortable. So I went through that um, despite, you know, putting in my best effort, having the home set up, going to the best home clinic I could find in the area, really getting top level support. And it just it wasn't the right choice for my body. Through that, we knew changes had to be made, and I decided to get the AV fistula. Right away, that was the best decision I could have made. It was one I was very scared of, and the healing process was a lot in regards to surgery. I remember feeling a lot of pain for that, uh, and I still feel a lot, because that's your circulatory system. That's your artery and your vein. And you can feel that pulse and pressure through your whole body. And turns out I have really small veins. You know, with that, it was kind of next best option. And then it kind of switched into more survival there, where, you know, you have to go to in-center dialysis as often as possible. And you have to really live that hemodialysis, uh, full kidney patient lifestyle. And... That came with its own host of challenges. That's incredible. When you were in the middle of, or when you found out that you were having all these issues with PD, how did you handle that? Were you discouraged or were you just like, okay, well, this isn't working out. Let me move on to the next best thing. And how did you cope with that? It was pretty much, let me move on to the next best thing. Because I feel that when you are in survival on dialysis, that's really what it is. It's very in the moment, day to day. Am I going to survive today? Am I going to live today? How is my body doing? And so you don't really have time to process what's going on. And it's almost as if you're in a grief mode because you're living in this state of consciousness where you aren't fully present in your life. You are present fully in what is going on atomically. Um, and so I just did what was needed. 
I just moved right into that without really feeling into it, just knowing that my body needed help and I needed to do whatever it took to live. I didn't have any option. It was completely, there was no flight. It was just fight for a life um, and knuckles up get ready to go on the boxing rink and all that. So that's really how I coped. You're so resilient. I wish I had that same (laughs) resilience. So you you said in center is what you did, in center hemo, correct? When you, in between the the, uh, modality change, did you have to have a catheter or like while you waited for your patient to be I went through so many different catheters and different switches of, uh, modalities through all the healing. It was always a struggle to keep dialysis access and to have clean blood. It was always a thing. Um, whether or not that was the maturity rate in which a fistula uh, heals, because you know it, it takes quite a bit. You're really modifying your body to operate in a way that's not natural or conducive to the way your body is made. And that healing, when you're already sick, it becomes really problematic. How is your body going to regenerate its tissue while really functioning under toxicity? So I think between that, I went through many different things where I would have chest catheters placed or even catheters in my my groin and my leg and whatever was necessary, really. Whatever was necessary to keep me alive. Oh my goodness. Whew, that's there are no words. You're just straight up. She's a badass. Yeah, wonder woman. Like, I, yeah, like you go in you went into this at first, like this is what I gotta do and I mean, I've been dealing with this since I was a kid, but I didn't get that mindset until a few years ago but I mean maybe it's an age thing I don't know but I, I mean at this point like you said it's I take it day by day and um let's talk about your transplant you are transplanted as of September 22 right yes thank god hallelujah I'm so happy Oof, that bet. was a process coming like as you can tell by dealing with different dialysis functionality like issues it really had a toll on my body it had a big toll on my metabolic system and i just knew i had to do everything possible to get that kidney transplant it did not matter to me i knew i wasn't going to survive long term on dialysis so i just went him getting all the things done for kidney transplant to qualify and to stay qualified. And I waited my time uh, while doing it. I waited my time. And with that, I really, you mentioned the mindset. One aspect I have to say is I made a conscious decision to grow my spirituality and relationship with a higher source. And that's really what fed me through that process. And so it was the inner knowing of what life has to offer, knowing that I deserve that, knowing that healing is possible for all people, that we have the technology and we have the resources. Being in Tampa Bay, one of the best kidney transplant centers, Tampa General Hospital, 
I had full faith that when I was matched with an appropriate donor, that I would be matched with the best possible outlook and that my body could be strong enough to go through kidney transplant. And, you know, there was a while there that I had this strong feeling that the time was coming, that I, I knew I was just around the corner. Like, well, we've been through all of this. And I don't believe in coincidence. I believe there's purpose in everything that happens to us. So I had a really strong knowing. And one day, I remember walking into dialysis, and I just remember feeling very clear. It was almost as if none of the past had really felt present in my mind or none of the future. I just really remember feeling very in the now, in that moment. And I felt very clear, and I was... You know, your dialysis center becomes your home. Your dialysis center becomes your home with your your technicians and other patients who are there. And I remember walking home and walking in and saying hello to all my kidney family and feeling, I'm okay today. Today I'm living. And I remember feeling like really this strong sense of peace. And within a couple hours of being on treatment on HUMO, I had a phone call that came in, and they told me that there was a kidney that was what they believed to be like nearly perfect genetic match for me, along with one other person. There's two people, 50% chance that it could be for me or for that person, and they told me to get ready, and I did. <laughs> I did. I got ready, and immediately... I called my contacts, my family, and said, pack your bags. We're going to Tampa, <laughs> and this is going to happen. And so I think that was one of those moments of spiritual surrender in that time. Did you, like, I bet you were having a party and screaming and hollering. I mean, mm. were, what were your emotions that were going through when you picked up the call? It was everything. It was everything. My heart, I remember it racing. I remember just holding my breath, not being able to breathe, and really just listening to them and taking it. And I remember immediately after I hung up that phone call, I just burst out into tears. And I was just bawling my eyes out. And my technician came running towards me. Is everything okay? Is everything okay? And I said that everything was all right. Everything was finally all right. That it was going to work out. And I just knew, I just knew that it was the time. And it was just a sense of disbelief. Like, wow, is this, this really happening? It felt very surreal. I kind of had to pinch myself. Like, this is actually happening. This is going down. Um, and then I just moved into action with it. And I think moving my body and taking those steps to go and be ready for transplant, that's when that reality really hit me. And I was just kind of put on a waiting mode where I didn't really feel too much. <laughs> I didn't feel too much. I kind of just like held myself in that moment. I held whatever was coming up for me. I have to key back into it. Uh, I have to key back into it. That was really just, at that time, immediate discussions with Source started happening. And it was, every thought was processed through my personal beliefs and my higher power. That was full testimony, really. 
because I, I was just ready. And, you know, I just knew that if the will for my life to be have this new kidney was to be, then that's what was going to happen. And I knew that if the other person needed that other kidney more than I did, then they were going to happen and things were going to work out as it should. And so I felt really calm. I felt really calm. And it was it was really just like giving birth to new life before the transplant, really, you know, accepting that. That's amazing. Um, what advice would you offer to people who are waiting now um, to kind of get through it? YOLO, you only live once. <laughs> I embrace that mentality like no other. Like every day, I decided to live in the here and now. And I decided to do the things that I held myself back from doing when I was fearful of being sick. It was kind of like my worst fear had came true. And, you know, there's a lot that can come up. And so I would say to just, if you wake up and you get to breathe, to just live in gratitude and live in the now. That's the best advice I can give because it can get really easy to focus on the future and to focus on when is that kidney transplant going to come? But to find pockets of joy in everyday life that really bring you happiness and calm, that is what I would tell people. That's what I want people to do. <laughs> it looks different for everyone, but finding joy in the small moments and doing the things that you have been previously fearful to do because you really only get one chance <laughs> and I think I think going through that kind of life or death shifts your perspective and with that perspective shift you have to take action with it for sure do you want to share any things that are like things that you couldn't do while you were in dialysis that you wanted to do that you do now oh there's a bunch <laughs> there's a bunch one of the big things for me was motherhood um, it was very hard to stay present with parenting. Uh, I did not feel that I was able to provide the nurture and education for my child as I had wanted to while on dialysis. And then having young adult experiences as well, having the experiences where you get to go out and explore the world and travel or go out, you know, for a night with your girls, just, you know, have girl chat, all those socialization things, especially being on dialysis during a pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> being on dialysis during a pandemic is like, okay, life is looking so different. You know, we're going completely inwards. And so, I took a back seat on community and uh, I took a back seat in my career as well. And so being that I have a new kitten and that my body is healing, in my opinion, miraculously, I have so many new experiences every day. <laughs> I have many new experiences just being here with you ladies too fellow kidney warriors to have that opportunity to share my story is something that I feel called to do. And so I, I take every day and I'm really thankful for it. Well, we 
appreciate you uh, being here with us today. I I love that you're here with us. It's actually really, really like fun and amazing. I feel like um, with TikTok, sometimes it's hard to gather all the pieces because of like the algorithm and how it like pushes things through. You're more than just kidneys. As I said before, you're a mom, a consultant, social media. Aside from that, tell us about like what you like to do. Honestly, I'm just gung-ho for my life's purpose, really. Bringing community together with healing and sharing life's journey that that really excites me i i would say more than the average person <laughs> I, I don't i don't know how to put that like just being able to live life on my terms um while expressing myself through a creative outlet putting myself out there to share my story in a way that it could potentially help provide hope and help provide healing to another person whether or not they're a kidney warrior or they're going through some sort of extenuating life circumstance or have just been through it i feel that something that's really called to me is transformation and I like to be able to open up that door to renewal. I think creating through social media gives you an opportunity to do that because it's ever evolving, always growing. There are so many different ways that you can express yourself, whether it's through spoken or written word or visual media. So I've always been drawn to that and I've always considered myself a creator. And I, I'm also a little bit neurospicy, a little neurotypical, so <laughs> definitely a lot. And with that, it, I love living the lifestyle of my dreams, <laughs> and I love helping other people do that too, you know? And as kidney warriors, we don't get to live the typical lifestyle anyways. <laughs> That's true, though. That we don't, so... Oh, we don't. It's it's making pockets of time work for us and finding passion in it. And I love that. I love sparking passion and excitement and finding other people who have similar calling and connecting us all. Yes, I love that outlook. I think that's amazing. I think that's one of the things that too, like I had said before, I think multiple times, like you have like this aura and like I think you draw that 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 to you. Like people are like, oh wow, like there's just something about you that's like alluring, you know, and that's like even like, even if I didn't know your journey, I'm like, who's that girl? Like, who's who's that? Aww. <laughs> yeah. Very, um, she's so soft spoken and so like at peace when she talks. That, yes. Like, you're so you're like, you are so soothing of a person to like Aww. be around and just communicate with. You're just, Thank it's you. like a sudden like I don't know. It's just like a sudden like whoo. Yeah, I don't know how to yeah. it's like inner, inner zen, inner like yeah. calmness, you know, like that turmoil you feel. It's yeah, calm. energy transference is a beautiful thing. And I think when you have people who have the same uh, sense of almost duty to just be here and do the right thing, like our stories are meaningful. Our stories are impactful. We're in a day and age where there are so much visuals, our celebrities and influencing culture. It's easy to feel drowned out and to feel as if you're singular. To know that your perspective can shift someone's experience and to know that you can choose to share your energy 
and that it will magnify and create beautiful things. Like, I think that we're all like really precious seeds, like to bloom and to blossom and pouring love into that over fear, love over fear, healing over suffering. I think that's conscious choice to share and by doing so it's healed me that's amazing and i'm I'm so i'm so happy that you've come on here i think it's like a nice like refreshing for us it's 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 amazing you know because i i personally even though i try to omit the positivity sometimes like i have my days i'm like oh which is normal obviously we all do yeah Mm -hmm. we all do but like i think the difference is like getting out of that funk and then you know promoting Mm. this this within yourself and therefore promoting within others that sense of positivity or just overall like wellness feeling you know yeah no matter what you're going through it could be as simple Mm. as oh my god i stole my cup of coffee on me or darn i have to Mm. get in the mindset to go to dialysis or do dialysis kind of thing Mm. yeah Um, so that's for sure like one thing like I love, I, I love the energy for sure. <laughs> One thing I Thank love you. about the kidney community is that even though our experience, all of our experiences are totally different, they're all still the, in a in a different like this in the same aspect. If that kind of makes sense. Oh like, yeah. They're yeah. all incredibly mm-hmm. different, but we all go through initially the same things. Yes, and mm-hmm. I think that um, I think what the, makes a kidney kidney community an amazing one because we all experience it differently we're all trying mm-hmm. to most for the most part all have the same goals right live a healthy lifestyle you know and that is whether you're transplanted or not you know because the reality is some people are not fortunate to get to that point um for whatever circumstance so i think that we all can learn share and you know be a good support system because as you said at one point like it could be very um, isolating, especially being on social yes. media and having mm-hmm. all of these, like, I want to say, quote unquote, like, a normal life when our life is anything but normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any last minute things you'd like to say? Um, you know, I would just like to touch on the fact that you did mention that there are hard days. I think I do want to put weight onto that because even healing post transplant. The feelings that I move through and I process have been unlike any other feeling that I've ever had in my life. You know, you there's this big idea of life on the other side of kidney transplant and how that ends up looking and happening for your body that's going to be different for everyone. I feel that my healing post-kidney transplant has been great physically, but I do want to be real and say the emotionality of processing everything I went through on dialysis is what has surprised me the most. And the importance of that, I think, is learning to love how to show up despite that. Like learning how to love showing up for yourself and your purpose that you feel called to and showing up for your own healing despite any of the pain or the trauma that you go through. And I think that's really the resilience that the kidney community has, is overcoming all of this with a greater purpose to just moving to thriving, loving life, finding that 
spark. And I think that we all do a really beautiful job of finding that. And by sharing our stories together, maybe this is going to help someone find their spark. Yes, thank you so much. It's actually a very beautiful point. Um, I agree with you, actually. Um, One thing I haven't really spoken about my journey yet on podcasts is because I'm still going through all those feelings post-transplant. And, you know, I Mm -hmm. think for any situation, physical healing sometimes is easier than the mental aspect of it because, you know, the body remembers certain feelings while the brain absorbs everything. Sure. So, you know, that's something that I, too, I have similar feelings about that. And and within discovering and going through those feelings, I'm finding the purpose. I'm finding that light and those aspirations to help, you know, and that resiliency that you're speaking of, too. So I think you, what's the saying? I'm really bad with sayings. You nailed the hammer. Hammer Hammer and the nail. (laughs) No, you hit the nail on the... You hit the nail on the hammer. Yeah. The camera on the nail. <laughs> Same thing. We know what you mean. Yes, I'm really bad with phrases. <laughs> but yeah. Rachel, I want to go ahead and thank you so much for being on our podcast and being our very first guest. Thank you. 